coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, a new feature where we look back on games that will probably be orphaned on the Wii U. Today's entry, Donkey Kong Country Returns, Tropical Freeze. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, joined as always by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. How's it going, Patrick? Pretty good. Yeah, pretty good here as well. Yeah, that's good. I don't have to I don't even have to ask you. No, I mean by here I mean this side of the table. Oh, okay. (laughs) I thought maybe you were offering that like it is good in here. That we've got like good vibes between us across oh, sure. the table. Yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> right. You don't care. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the weather. Uh, hot yesterday, cooling down. Supposedly some of that L.A. rain. Oh yeah, love that L.A. rain. Yeah, we can actually talk about it this year. Whoa. The hills are green. Oh sure. I mean, we can talk about it in the sense that it's here. Right. This we, year, we could have talked in, about it last year. I mean, we can talk about it all the time. We do, frankly. Right, because any little bit of rain. We're like, oh, dear God, it's raining. Mm -hmm. Panic in the streets. Uh, Elsewhere, also panic. (laughs) Panic not on the streets. Talking about how getting on the streets is going to be tough. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) This is the only town, I think, where people are like, oh, my God, it's raining. Let's talk about how bad the traffic's going to be. And we're not proud of it. No. We're not patting ourselves on the back for that fact. No, but, I mean, it is an actual thing, like, because it rains less... Um, there actually is like oil that comes up to the surface. Like it's not just that we're not used to it; it's that the roads are actually slicker than they are. This segment is rains. specifically for our <laughs> LA audience. Well, no, I'm, I'm trying to explain to the non-LA audience why they don't care. They don't care. All right, uh, Mark, what you been playing? Been playing some Breath of the Wild. Boy, howdy. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, where are you in the game? I mean, what does that even mean? Great question. Tell me something you've accomplished. Okay, so, uh, way out on the east side, on the ocean, on a peninsula, mm-hmm. is, um, a shrine. Yeah. And I can't remember the name of the shrine, but its test is a moderate test of strength. Yes. And... This is the one by the second village that you go to? Yeah, pretty yeah. close to the second village. You can like see it from the second village, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, so I'm I didn't have like amazing equipment, so but I went into it and uh, I really loved Bloodborne on the PS4, mm-hmm. and part of the fun of that is like encountering a boss and just like fighting the boss and figuring out the boss, and then coming close to death but then finally like killing it and just that like sense of relief and like excitement that you accomplished it because when you die it's your own fault right and that's how i felt when i was up against this trial uh and i used like all of my weapons all of my shields like everything i had right you're throwing torches at it yeah uh and but when i finally did i was like yes i felt so awesome and then um you can paraglide over to this other island that's the small island that's in the middle of the ocean Mm -hmm. and uh, there's a shrine on it and I went inside and it was 
a hard test of strength. And I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> I'm out of here. I'll be able to teleport here in the future because I opened it. Uh-huh. But there is no way I'm going to be able to accomplish it, especially since I had just spent all of my weapons. Right. That's, defeating the moderate one. So I, I had a similar experience with my uh, first and second Hinox. H-I-N-O-X, I think. Hinox is how you would pronounce it. Those giant uh, cyclopses that are like sleeping in the forest. Mm-hmm. Um, that you can like come upon them and wake them up. And the first one I was like, oh, I'm going to take, take this guy down. And I'm shooting arrows in his eye. I'm uh, you know, throwing sledgehammers at him. Doing everything I can to finish him. And I do, and I'm like, yes, I'm the best. It's basically the same story, but just with a different, <laughs> <laughs> with a different creature. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, also, like, I stumbled upon another one minutes later and was like, oh, I, I, I can't fight another one. I haven't fought any of those mini bosses yet. As soon as I see them, like, lumber up yeah. and the health bar appear, I'm like, nope. Yeah. I'm out of there. If you have a health bar that doesn't follow you around, like, forget it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I recently uh, encountered my first divine beast in the realm of the uh, Zora. Um, and I like you do a, a little thing where you fight it and then you go inside. And that's like the, the first dungeon that I'm actually um, engaging in. And that's that's where I am right now. Um, it's very like it's weird um how much the game changes when you go inside an actual dungeon um because the rest of the game is so open and so like free and the dungeon's like yeah you can't climb on the walls in here like calm down <laughs> I mean that's true of the shrines as well mm-hmm. you can't like in the shrines Yeah but the shrines are so like small and enclosed that it's like That's true and there's one thing that you like one yeah. little puzzle that you're figuring out in each one yeah and maybe you like do three variations on it and then it's done um but it's it's never like a whole thing to figure out how are you feeling about the odd shrine that has motion controls uh i i mean they i feel like i encounter them so infrequently that when it is one of those i'm like okay yeah i feel the same way like Fine. i i'm not uh i don't mind them yeah um like you have to like uh move something it's they're like usually like little puzzle games where it's like you have to use the controller to uh move something into position or to like move like a yeah. like a marble maze like try to move something out of it and the the thing that makes it feel like unified with the rest of the game to me is that you can tell it's still using the same physics so like the ball still rolls around the same way that like a boulder rolls when when you push it and they, i don't i don't it seems like such a uh like pointless thing to grab no but it does make a difference Mm -hmm. uh because the motion controls they it doesn't make it feel like it's like weird or floaty or you don't know how something's going to react to. yeah exactly um i'm still loving this game oh yeah i mean i still think at some point we should do a deep dive into it but who knows when that'll be (laughs) because i haven't even i haven't even headed towards a divine a single divine beast yet I think that's fine. Yeah. I think you could reasonably play this game for 20, 30, 40 hours before actually like engaging in the story quests at all um, and have a great time. Um, I don't know how many hours I've logged in this game. I don't know either. I kind of don't want to know. I kind of just want like my experience to just be like a wash, you know, <laughs> that it's just one continuous thing that just happens. Um, we're also playing. 
the original Legend of Zelda for the uh, NES. Yeah, we are. Uh, and you can listen to our commentary of that um, on our mini episodes. There'll be one posting this Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one posting, we think the Thursday, at, we're going to take a break. Uh, like, we're going to do this every other week schedule. Going for, forward. For the mini episodes. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, we kind of... With the leg- with the uh, Metroid Prime other- or Metroid Other M, that's right. We did it on a weekly schedule, and with the Legend of Zelda, we've kind of fallen into a bi-weekly schedule for these mini episodes, and we think that's going to continue just because it, frankly, because it makes our lives so much easier to do it that way. Well, look, here's here's the thing: is that to do a mini episode, it's not just you and I talk about the game for twenty minutes, right? It's we have to get together and play together and then and then talk about it. Um, yeah, and, our life is tough. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. Is that playing video <laughs> Pity games... Pity us. <laughs> Should I stop with my explanation? That no, is that what no. you're suggesting? <laughs> no, so it's just... Yes, uh, it, it fits better into all of our lives to do it um, on an every other week basis. Uh, so that's, that's so if you're work. wondering where they've mm-hmm. been, mm-hmm. that's the plan going forward. We will still have a regular episode every, every Tuesday, week. every week, without fail. That's right. That is our promise to you. That's the Nintendo Cartridge Society promise. The mini episodes, we plan to do one every other <laughs> week. We'll see how that goes. We will indeed. Um, Mark, have you been playing anything? Well, so we've also been playing... A Donkey Kong Country Returns Tropical Freeze, which is the topic of today's so episode. So we'll talk about it a little bit later. So we'll push it down the road a little bit. I've been playing also a little bit of King of Fighters 94. Now, th- uh, this is the Neo Geo game that you downloaded for the Switch. That is correct. And you have played it before, correct? Yeah. not. I mean, a little ex- bit, but you yeah. were f- mm-hmm. like a, famili- a little familiar with it. Yeah. And actually, uh, once I started playing it, I didn't know whether I was familiar with uh, King of Fighters 94 or just other King of Fighters oh, games sure. that came out around that time. Um, it's, uh, it's neat and the, uh, the emulation is uh, feature rich. Um, a ton of different like filters and uh, ways that like you can present it. Um, when, when you and I talked about the Neo Geo arcade classics a couple weeks ago um, I think you said that like the emulation wasn't great. Yeah, because it was before the patch had been released. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hamster, which is the company that's doing these, since then released a patch that is supposed to fix a lot of these issues. Uh, and I mean, I, having not experienced those issues, uh, it just seems like it's a, a great uh, way to experience these games. Is the Neo Geo a 16-bit system? Uh, or like 32? That's a great question. I, th- I think it's 32. Or was it an arcade? Like, I mean, it's an arcade cabinet, okay. Basically, um, but like you could get the uh, like a, a box that was basically doing the same thing that you put these like giant cartridges. Oh, so it must in. have been enormously expensive. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so you know, I mostly just experienced them in arcades. Um, so yeah, and uh, you know, when when more of these come out, I'll I'll grab some more of them. Um, but it'll be like a selective thing. Like these games aren't great necessarily well uh how would you say because i feel like of the my video game playing friends you're the one who plays the most fighting games the yeah most, like regularly mm-hmm. and i'm so i'm wondering how you feel it stacks up or you know how it like holds up king of fighters sure specifically um i don't 
So I, I think there is like real depth there. Um, the the game is strange because you pick a team, you pick like a, a country basically, and there are like eight countries to choose from, and each country has three fighters representing it, and so those are your three fighters. So there's not like a whole lot of there are a lot of characters, but there aren't really a whole lot of options as to how to play the game. And do each of those three characters control the same? Completely differently. And then are you, is this for like, and this is, I'm assuming like a story mode type thing, but basically no, you're trying. This is, this is how the game, like if you're doing one-on-one. Oh, so one each one, time you, doing, yeah. uh, there's a match, you choose which one of these three, one of these countries. One of these countries, that's right. And so. It are can, they real countries or are they yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. Okay. USA, yeah. Japan. The Street Fighter voices right there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so you, you pick one and then it's uh, three characters from the King of Fighters series, which is also a kind of mishmash of all the other SNK fighting game series. Um, and uh, so you get your three characters against another country's three characters. And so, and you get to decide the order that they're fighting in, but it's kind of, for as many different characters as there are in the game, it still is like, well, these are my three guys. And is it a one-on-one match? Or yeah, when a, you get, mm-hmm. like, when one character gets KO'd, another one, like, tags in? So, I mean, it's essentially like that, except the match ends. Like, oh, the, the and round then, ends. Okay. Yeah, so, like, um, my and then number the, one goes up against your number one. And then if you win, then my number two goes up against your number gotcha. one. Gotcha. Uh, until we're out of characters. And when at the end of the, the round, the winner restores a little bit gets a little bit of health back. So for a dummy like me who's like most like Street Fighter 2 on the SNES mm-hmm. is probably the fighter that I've the Street Fighter that I've ever played the most, would you say this is a comparable experience, better experience, different experience? I I would say comparable but less good. Like Street Fighter 2 is what for being one of the first like real one-on-one fighters um sort of nails it you know like there there are so many so much of what's successful in fighting games going forward uh, is what has borrowed from street fighter 2 um like mortal Kombat got turned into a real fighting game the second it was like oh, okay i guess maybe we should be able to acknowledge uh, you know like interrupts and frame data and people have different animations for everything and uh defining the hitboxes in the same way um and I think this is uh, doing that, but just not quite to the level that um, Capcom does in Street Fighter 2. Um, and some some of the just like base uh, character moves are a little wonky. So like, um, you know, generally speaking in Street Fighter, if you're like down and a hard kick, you know that you're going to get like kind of a straight forward or like forward and down kind of motion kick. But some of these guys do like a crouching kick that's like up in the air a little bit. Um, and so like some of the directions, it's a little less intuitive, um, than Street Fighter, but I think Street Fighter and Capcom are just, uh, tighter at design than SNK is. Part of the reason I've never gotten into fighting games is because I don't have the patience to like memor like learn the moves, learn the different like button combinations you mm-hmm. need to execute the moves and like to parry and like block and all that kind of stuff. You hate blocking. I hate blocking. <laughs> <clears throat> in our playthrough of Zelda, that's very apparent. I just run in and die constantly because i'm just like whatever i'll just hit it with my sword right but um so i don't have the and i'm wondering how it is when you are starting up a new fighting game that you are not super familiar with and you haven't played that much before and it's not like a continuation of street fighter where you have muscle memory 
how do you how do you learn it? Are you looking it up in a guide? Are you just experimenting? And are the ba- mm-hmm. are the basic fighting game mechanics that have maybe been cribbed from Street Fighter Two over the years or whatever it is the same over or similar over a lot of fighters that you're like I go into it kind of knowing how something will work and you just have to find the finesse. Yeah, so I mean a lot of um Capcom and SNK fighters do use like the same basic playbook. You know, back is uh is block. Um if you're blocking a low attack, you also need to be blocking. And this probably comes from like attack. the arcade roots with like a with a joystick. Yeah. yeah. And- Which is also I mean that's part of the Neo Geo's like infrastructure is that like you play it on a a a joystick and four buttons. Um, so like that's another thing that all SNK fighters have in common is that they use either a three or four button setup, where most Capcom fighters are six button setups, um, with the exception of uh, the Marvel versus Capcom games, which do use either a three or four as well. Um, but so yeah, the, it's it's a lot of the same sort of like you throw the same way. Um, they have a a similar like you know Mortal Kombat will focus on. Uh, being able to do like a, a gory finishing move and like Tekken is going to um, be more like slower timing based and uh, allow you to move in 3D space. Ditto virtual fighter, Virtua fighter is what but how, But how are you learning it? Are you... How am I learning like, it? Like, do you like look it, do you look it up to like Mm-mm. choose a character and then be like, let me look at his move set? Do you use the pause menu and like look at the controls look at the frame data yeah. and stuff. <laughs> no i mean i'm also not that good at fighting games um but when i do really get into them um i'll i'll watch videos of uh people uh, you know doing combos with the characters and like breakdowns on them um when i got really into street fighter 4 i was at uh, eventhubs.com every day um just to see like new videos of how people are doing stuff and um just kind of getting into what the community is doing but that i mean when you do that that's like a deep dive you gotta really want it um i tried to do that with skull girls when it came out are you familiar with skull Mm -hmm. girls um it's it's like a a a throwback very um marvel versus capcom or street fighter 4 street fighter 2 uh style fighting game um but it's you know new and all hand-drawn art it's very pretty um and there's a big scene around it but like you know, is just learning another set of uh, particulars that uh, kind of turned me off to it. Event, uh, ultimately, um, and I think this is what um, you know—a a game that I'm downloading like this. I am just—it's it, a disposable experience for me. I'm not going to get into it the way um, I would another fighting game. Um, but I do hope to uh, apply that kind of energy to uh, Pocket Rumble. When it comes out, the one oh, that's like yeah. a, a fake um, Neo Geo pocket fighting game. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, well, great. I'm sorry I talked so much about fighting games. Mark, let's get into the, into the news. Hey, remember Super Mario Run? Mark, I do. Remember when that was a thing? I do. Like a big deal? I remember it well. Well, finally. <laughs> finally. It's coming out on Android. Okay. On uh, the 23rd of March, so this Thursday. Mm-hmm. And on that same day, iOS users get, are going to get an update to version 2.0. Now, that's the part that seems like the more interesting piece of news to me. Because, uh, I mean, obviously, because I've had access to it forever. Right. Um. Tell me about 2.0. So, from what I could find, there's not a ton known about it. Yeah. Uh, I know we know that we're getting 
new Yoshi colors. Great. Give me a pink Yoshi. And new characters to play as. What is that? What? I think, uh, <laughs> um, but may, oh, fingers crossed for Wario or Waluigi. Yes, absolutely. 100%. Give me Wario and Waluigi. If it's, gonna, if it's a baby, I'm going to be so annoyed. <laughs> I hate those things. Okay, okay, but what if what if it's uh baby Mario, baby Luigi, Wario and Waluigi? Fine. You take the good with the bad. What if you can double tap the game as Waluigi to make him fart? <laughs> or Wario, both of them. Or Wario. Or just if you could double tap it every time they just go. Wow. I would love that. It would make me play this game again. Uh I don't care who the new characters are. I'm going to play the game again. <laughs> I really liked Mario Run, so I'm uh I'm excited for Yeah, I really I really liked it too. Uh and I still haven't gotten all the black coins. Mm-hmm. So, I should go back and do that. It, it's just weird to me that it's coming so late on Android, like after Fire Emblem yeah. Heroes has been released and all of that. Yeah, that's right, on both platforms too. Yeah. Uh so this is some good news if you're out there and you're uh looking to get a switch nintendo plans to double switch production next fiscal year so the current fiscal year for nintendo ends on at the end of march mm-hmm. and so that's why they released the switch when they did because they promised they were going to get it out this right. fiscal year right and they did um so originally they planned to produce eight million switches next fiscal year mm-hmm. so from april uh 2017 to the end of march 2018 but they have um they plan to double that so they are going to produce 16 million switches over the next fiscal year. So they're obviously feeling good about how the thing launched, feeling good about the demand for it mm-hmm. and are going to try to meet that demand or what they perceive the demand to be. Yeah, and so if they uh successfully sell 16 million switches over the next fiscal year, they will have pretty much blown away the Wii U's lifetime performance. Yeah, because the Wii U's lifetime performance is like sub-14, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, they're, so they are feeling very good about this thing. I, I think that's uh, not even, not just possible, but likely. Um, I have, you know, friends that, have, that want this thing and don't have it. I, I took it with me to lunch today, and my waiter was like, oh, man, I wanted to get one of those, but it was sold out. Yeah, we like we've we kind of talked about in the past about like Nintendo having a moment and they have done a really good job of building momentum mm-hmm. around this thing. And I think it has a really solid first year lineup. Mm-hmm. Um if Pokemon like Eclipse or Stars or whatever they call it yeah. ends up coming out on this thing in the winter plus Mario plus you know like uh plus Zelda is still happening. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, I a Mario Kart comes out in April and mm-hmm. then like now that I have the thing in my hands, I'm like, this is a killer app. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, so it'll be, no, they, of course, in the past couple of years have had a history of overestimating demand. There were a few years where they expected to sell a lot of Wii U's and that did not happen. Yeah. I mean, I feel like this is just different all around from the Wii U. Totally agree. And Nintendo generally is a really cautious company. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I, I didn't write this down, but earlier today, somebody, an executive from GameStop, was talking about what uh that they feel very good about the launch. I think they the the exact phrasing was like that it was phenomenal, has a re, like one of the highest attach rates in recent history, which makes sense because of Zelda. 
um they're selling like <laughs> and you have to buy something for yeah, it and yeah. like uh accessories mm-hmm. which you know f- for the consumer that doesn't mean anything to us but is great for GameStop cuz it means more money more money <laughs> and so and he was saying that at this point he feels like it could sell as much as the Wii after 20 days or whatever i don't know that anybody can you know say that i mean look we all heard what my parents had to say about this thing last week right they thought it was fun but like nowhere are they buying it i mean did they buy a wii no <laughs> but so basically it's just like there is a lot of momentum behind this i think it would be really good for nintendo to sell 16 million of them and i think it's a good sign that they are very happy with this launch that yeah. it still remains in like such high demand like we um our friend before the switch launched asked like what the odds were they were going to get one if they didn't pre-order and i said it would be hard for the first couple of weeks but i thought within a month he'd be able to walk into a store and grab one and that is not clearly not going to be the case well within a month we're we're we've got another news item about this uh later on so maybe we, we should just keep cracking for right now um sure so uh sonic mania sonic mania got delayed from spring uh, it's now going to release in a nebulous summer time frame. Okay. But uh, it's coming on the same day and for the same price on Switch as other platforms. Can we, just to clarify which game is Sonic Mania? So Sonic Mania is the throwback title. Okay. That's mm-hmm. the one where it also like remixes some of the old experiences. Yes. Got it. And then Sonic 2017, which is like the modern 3D Sonic, uh-huh. that is now titled Sonic Forces. Do we know anything else about Sonic Forces? We, you know, we probably do. I could not care less about 3D Sonic, and I can barely care at all about 2D Sonic, so I didn't even bother to look. There's a lot. Sonic. It's just not my thing. Yeah. And I totally, I completely accept that that's that because I was a Nintendo kid growing up, mm-hmm. and I did not own a Genesis. I haven't owned any so- Sega system, so... I'm just not familiar with it. Is it. Let me ask you this. Is there any Sonic game that you have bonded with? No. Not a one? Nope. I, I, I think I will pick up Mania. Okay. Because I really want to give... I really want to figure out Sonic. Because I feel like I always oh. tried to play it like a Mario game. And you, not how you it's to be clearly done. can't do that. Right. But it's just a type of platformer that I don't understand. And I would like to. Yeah. Um... I've, I've got like a, a couple... Uh, soft spots for a couple Sonic games. Um, including a 3D Sonic game. I like the um, original Sonic Adventure on the Dreamcast. Um, Is the Dreamcast the only Sega system that you owned? Yes, yeah. that's correct. Um, so that, that could certainly be uh, part of it, that it was, you know, I had this, I had a new toy and the only thing I could play on it. I was, wasn't trying to psychoanalyze your no, Sonic no, love. Mark, I was just, Mark, you got me I was just that's wondering. It. That's the only reason. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, always sort of paying attention to the sonic games just because there is such this like huge audience for them like built in um like there must be something they see and not just like i don't know i i i I can't talk about it without getting too weird well i mean i i I say this with all the love in my heart but modern sonic fandom seems to kind of be split into two groups one that like loves the early games and like the games themselves mm-hmm. and then a group of people who enjoy the world of sonic yes and uh, it's and making difficult. the characters 
touch each other in naughty places. Yes, exactly. Right. And so it's sometimes difficult to see where the two... Yeah, like I'd, I'd like to somehow get all Sonic fans in a room and just be like, how many of you are here for this and how many of you are here for this? Exactly. <laughs> I just want to know. I just want to know. No judgment. Right, because if... Genuinely interested. If 90% of the people in that room are like, oh, I just want to draw pictures of this, then I'm like, okay, great. I don't need to do Sonic anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't need to be something I pursue at all. Where can people send their hate mail, Patrick? Oh, if people want to send their hate mail or their... Uh, erotic drawings of Sonic the Hedgehog, they can send them to Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. And Patrick will go through every one of them. I will go through and read every single one. So, Dragon Quest Heroes 1 and 2, it's a, a, a package for the Switch, was I think a Japanese launch title, mm-hmm. but was never confirmed to come to the West. Uh, but it looks like it is coming, and that Nintendo will be the publisher. So GameStop started started taking pre-orders, and it lists Nintendo, not Square Enix, as the publisher. And it's not super surprising because Nintendo has published in recent like history all the Dragon Quest games that have come west. Oh, okay. Because I don't well, think well uh, on Nintendo platforms, like it, they're not like Dragon Quest builders on like PlayStation Vita. They're not. That's a, that's a, that, yeah, right? that's a good point. But like the full Dragon Quest games and remakes okay because those, those in the in japan have all been released on like the 3ds or the ds right like dragon quest 10 was on the was originally on the wii um of course that didn't come over here but like dragon quest 9 was a ds exclusive yeah and the only reason any of them have, uh, most of these have come west is because nintendo published them yeah so uh so maybe it's coming out here but really it gives me hope that we will see dragon quest 11 because that I am very interested in. We know that there's a Switch version of a Switch version coming, and we know there's a 3DS version coming. Uh-huh. And they're also making it like a PS4 version. We don't know Which yet. Is different. We don't know yet if the Switch version is the PS4 version or the 3DS version. Uh-huh. I'm operating under the assumption it's the PS4 version, but that's based on zero information. Right. It's based on hope. <laughs> yeah, but either way, I would. I really want that game to come out here because I love Dragon Quest. Mm-hmm. So. Um, Hopefully, that's what that means. Uh, Square Enix's official account for the Saiken Densetsu franchise has tweeted out a video of two people playing Saiken Densetsu 3. Let's put a pause here because uh, Saiken Densetsu 2, you're right. probably familiar with as Secret of Mana. That's right. For the SNES in the, uh, in the West. And this third game, which was released for the Super Famicom in Japan, never came out, has never come out anywhere outside of Japan. This is eerily similar to the Earthbound. Yeah, like, yeah. journey, mm-hmm. right? That like we didn't get the original Mother game. We got Mother 2 as Earthbound and then Mother 3 is this legendary thing that we never saw. Ditto with the Secret of Mana series. We got the second game as the first game and uh the third one is this mythical one that we've have, have never seen and i i really love secret of mana oh it's such a good game music is great mm-hmm. uh awesome sprite work big beautiful sprites it's really gorgeous and the third game is supposed to be really good as well mm-hmm. um so i'm i what we're hoping this means that it's coming to the switch 
That would be great. Uh, that uh, maybe is like this like Neo Geo type thing, maybe mm-hmm. as part of the virtual console, whatever that is. You know, uh, but I think, but, and I don't think it'll be localized. But the thing with the Switch is that it is region free. Absolutely. I speak zero Japanese. Right. But uh, the games are mostly like hack and slash anyway. Right. Uh, <laughs> it's speaking so confidently. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be so hard to play this game in Japanese. Uh, but yeah, that, that would be cool as a fan of that series, theoretically, having only played one of those games. Yeah. Uh, game is, Games Industry Japan posted an article, uh, and this information was translated by Nintendo Everything from a Game Creators Conference joint session with reps from Nintendo and Capcom. And in it, uh, Nintendo and Capcom discussed Switch's performance and specs, and basically saying how before it was released, Nintendo came to Capcom, and Capcom asked them for more RAM, because what Nintendo had originally planned to include wasn't sufficient for Nintendo for Capcom's new uh, RE engine, which is running Resident Evil 7, mm-hmm. and presumably will run games in the future. And so uh, the exact memory specs that Capcom requested is what Nintendo ended up putting into the Switch. That's fascinating, right? That, like, Nintendo is like, hey, Capcom, a company we sort of have an okay relationship with, like, historically, yeah. His- like, more recently, no, they don't have really. much of a relationship. Yeah. Um, and they're just like, hey, what would you guys want on this thing? And Capcom's like, more RAM. And Nintendo's like, okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it shows how different Nintendo has been operating on the Switch. Yeah. Um, like, indie developers only have to... And this is partly a function because it's region-free, but they only have to... Uh, submit one version of a mm, game mm-hmm. for certification versus all the different versions they had to submit before for oh, the different, different stores. Like, yeah. All that kind of stuff. Um, uh, so yeah, it just shows like they kind of went into this being like, we need it to work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we need it to work for everyone. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, or at least more people. So Capcom says that they are trying to m- make the RE engine compatible with the switch mm-hmm. because they have to make it work in like the docked mode and undocked mode all that kind of stuff and they said it's difficult work but they are um they would like to put in the effort to achieve it so that's just the difference of how much power the thing gets right i believe so yes okay. uh would be great to see Re- man that would be crazy resident evil 7 on uh the switch yeah i wonder how that would work because one of the big selling points of resident evil 7 was the was VR? Oh, I guess that's only on PlayStation, right? That's a yeah, PlayStation that's exclusive. Right. Um, well, and I think even even for the uh, like, it, it was a big selling point if that's something you were going to do with it. But like, I don't know. I think lots of people uh, tried it if they had it, and then were like, "I can play this game either way." I mean, we're both in uh, climate res- change deniers. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's absolutely <laughs> not true. That, I want to make that very clear. This is not... I'm not joking. Mark, come on. Come on, man. <laughs> come on, man. Just joke with me, man. <laughs> that bit is not funny. <laughs> I'm using my bit veto power. Oh, man. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, we are a little bit VR deniers. Though. We are VR deniers, but, yeah. we, but we both love Resident Evil. Absolutely. And I haven't picked up Resident Evil 7 yet, partly because... I didn't intend to, I wasn't going to play to launch, so I'm like, why not wait for a price drop? Mm-hmm. But uh, 
I don't, but I, I guess if it came out on Switch, I would potentially be interested in just picking up that version. Yeah, me too. Uh, and I also don't know that uh, Resident Evil is the kind of game that I want to play. On the go? On the go. Yeah. I don't, look, I can go to a restaurant and pull out Zelda. That's fine go to a restaurant and then like resident evil and someone's like chasing me with a chainsaw <laughs> that seems weirder to me yeah that does seem weirder but we have shame so oh yeah that's true we do have a lot <laughs> so of shame. much oh so, so much, much shame. shame uh speaking of capcom last week they announced the disney afternoon collection which bundles together six classic disney games though all six titles were originally released on the nes there's no switch version scheduled for release the collection is coming to ps4 xbox one and microsoft windows on april 18th it includes Chippendale Rescue Rangers, Chippendale Rescue Rangers 2, Darkwing Duck, DuckTales, DuckTales 2, and Tailspin. Why isn't this thing coming to the Switch? I mean, it's not like the Switch has a huge install base at this point. You, you, that's fair. But it also seems like this would be the perfect, like, I don't know. That, it's it's that, that same, like, nostalgia play. That Nintendo is banking yeah. on, basically. I 100% agree. And especially with Chippendale Rescue Rangers being a two-player simultaneous game, if you could just rip the Joy-Con. You could have it at a party or wherever you are and uh, pull off the, you know, a party or wherever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, because we go to parties all the time. Right. So a party is a very casual like, thing where, for us. Where, where do I go? I oh, go, I'm at I a party. parties. I go... Uh, to work, I guess. I guess. It's really just parties. <laughs> it's, work is really just an a- another avenue to a party. <laughs> That's right. Um, so, yeah, it is, it's a bummer that it's not on Switch. Mm-hmm. I would love if down the line it does come to Switch. I mean, down the line is going to be too late for me because this is a day one purchase. Oh, absolutely. I mean. Yeah. Um, so we'll get it on PlayStation. Oh, so speaking of the Neo Geo games. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know when exactly they'll release, but Hamster uh, sent out a list of the games that'll be in the next round. Okay. And it is going to be Alpha Mission 2, Fatal Fury, Metal Slug, Neo Turf Masters, Samurai Showdown, uh, Sengoku, and World Heroes. And that, sorry, that last one is one Right, Sengoku title. and World Heroes, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I think Sengoku is a fighting game, as is World Heroes. And that's kind of when they start like just merging all of their fighting series together. Um, I'm excited about Samurai Showdown. I wish that was Samurai Showdown Two. Um, is is that a another fighting game? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> also, Fatal Fury. Like the, the Neo Geo was a lot of fighting <laughs> games. Um, all from the same publisher. All from the same developer. All yeah. from SNK. Yeah. Which is why they all like show up in the uh, King of Fighters. King of Fighters. Oh, yeah. gotcha. Um, and then. In uh, you know, there are Cap- Capcom versus SNK and SNK versus Capcom games, which just jams all the possible fighters into one game, because that's what a fighting game should be. Uh, Takashi Mochizuki. I'm so sorry because I probably butchered that name. See, that sounded pretty good. He's a thank you. <laughs> uh, a Wall Street Journal reporter based in Japan asked at a press event for Monster Hunter Cross Cross. XX, we still haven't figured that out. Definitely not 20. Uh, asked about Monster Hunter on Switch. And producer Shintaro Kojima said, quote, hope you enjoy it on 3DS first. Boy, is that a non-answer. So we haven't heard anything about Monster Hunter on Switch, but it genuinely just makes the most sense. Yeah. Like, where else is that franchise going to go? I mean, it could stay on the, uh, the 3DS. 3DS forever and keep 3DS alive forever. Um, 
But and like, I wouldn't be surprised if the next game that's announced is either like a weird cross-platform thing or cross, cross, cross. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or uh, maybe like the this like Monster Hunter cross, cross because Monster Hunter usually has like a not remastered version, but like a like almost like a game of the year edition where yeah, they sure. you know like plus it and include a bunch of stuff. So maybe that's what will end up on Switch first. Because I do think they'd be kind of silly at this point to uh, drop the large install base of the 3DS and put their new title exclusively on Switch. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to me to see how many people are still playing 3DSs um, throughout the the course of this year and through next year. Uh, just because the the Switch seems like such a it's such a better solution for gaming on the go. Totally, but a lot of people will still own a 3DS for sure. For you sure. know, so like they might be. I mean, there's a new release this week, Bye Bye Box Boy, mm-hmm. that or Bye Bye Box Boy, Bye Bye Box Boy, that I'm interested in. I'm dreading opening up my 3DS, yeah, but I might buy it. And you know, a lot of people love Monster Hunter, so if that's the only system it's on, right? You know, they the 3DSs aren't all like disappearing. I know, I know they're not. It, it's disappearing from my memory and my heart. Absolutely, already. yeah. Um, I mean, that's how. I, honestly, that's how I am with the PlayStation Four at this moment too. Like yeah. the Switch has all other things are dead. To you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nintendo is registered. Speaking of the 3DS continuing, uh, Nintendo is registered for a trademark for Metopia in the U.S. So we talked a little bit about Metopia, a right? little bit, because there was like a Japanese exclusive direct for it. That's right, because it has already been released in Japan. Right, and it looks like a, a regular kind of turn-based um, role-playing game, except all of your characters are me's, um, and they do magic spells, and they have your friends' names and everything. Um, so if they are bringing that west, it makes sense to me, because again, you have a large install base that you can still sell games to. Sure. I mean, I, the, it just seems like it's such a weird game. Um, I don't know. This is all rooted in my, like, what? I gotta pick up my 3DS Totally. Again? But to me, it kind of reminds me of the end of the Wii's life when all of those, uh, what was it called? Operation Rainfall? That was, like, the fan um, name for those games, right? Like Pandora's Tower. Oh, and sure. Where, like, Nintendo had not put any of those games out for the Wii. They never localized them from Japan. And then at the end of the Wii's life, they were like, here you go. Here you go. Here you go. And that's kind of what this feels like to me, where it's like, all right, we're not really developing new games. I guess there's that Pikmin game coming. But we're not really developing a lot of new games for the 3DS. So, I mean, Fire Emblem Echoes. Echoes is still on its way. So, yeah, this kind of just feels like the end of life where they're like okay let's just here's another thing we can release without putting too much effort into it yeah, for the sure. 3ds i mean just like we got uh that bomberman 64 on the wii u virtual console right. last week it's just like throwing people about yeah uh oh yeah so we talked about earlier um about people being able to walk into stores and mm-hmm. buy switches so this week possibly starting as early as the 22nd of mm-hmm. march which is wednesday GameStop will have more Switch to sell in-store. It's going to be in-store only. Yeah. Um, it's not clear if it's going to be on, like, first-come, first-serve, as in, they, it'll, it seems like, just from what I've been reading online from people who work at GameStops, that it's like, as soon as the shipment comes in, which could happen at 11 a.m., could happen at 1 p.m., they're just going to open the box, and anybody who comes in and says, do you have a Switch? They're going to give it to them. It's Bam. not like they're going to hold them right. for the next morning. 
Uh, which again, like if you have that connected to um, the idea that Switch, like additional hardware and accessories are selling really well is exactly what GameStop wants to do. They want people wandering in there, buying it and buying an extra set of Joy-Cons. Totally. Yeah. Uh, n- and so Target is also rumored to be getting some more this week, mm-hmm. but it seems like none of these places are going to be getting a ton. It seems like about, you know, like five, ten per store. Right, it's the trickle. Yeah. Um, but that if you're still looking for one, that checking your GameStop, local GameStop, checking your local Target might be your best bet. Yeah, I mean, these the, we're back to the uh, Wild West days of looking for a, a, a Wii. Or like a... a 3ds or uh yeah ds light yeah yes or even a a, a new 3ds now like right they're they're t- tough to come by you just kind of got to wander in um i saw that we we don't have a, a news item for this but i wanted to bring it up sort of in the news um that uh pokemon is the game freak the developers of pokemon um are hiring for a new console game uh, that is a, in a popular RPG franchise, uh, according to like the job listing. Um, everyone's assuming that that is uh, the new version of Pokemon, or possibly the Pokemon um, Stars or Eclipse, whatever we think the like beefed up version of Sun and Moon is going to be called. Um, no confirmation on any of that. It's mostly uh, rumor and hearsay. But uh, I mean, I I feel like every year we hype up uh e3 and every year we're everybody's a little disappointed but this seems you like this could be an e3 <laughs> seems like it could be a crazy e3 for nintendo although uh, that's not really how nintendo operates no they have their crazy time whenever they want to have it yeah it's it's not it's not about e3 it's about nintendo's got something to tell you but i mean if at e3 they're like yeah all the stuff you already know about like splatoon um and arms uh, and also, uh, arms will be out by that point. Oh, arms will be out. That's right. Spring. Earlier, yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I could totally see them doing a Legend of Zelda thing, like they did for Breath of the Wild, where it's like, do you know what? Our entire booth is just Splatoon, and then we're just gonna do some weird YouTube video with puppets in three bu- weeks that right. blows out like every game, right? And then like Stealth announces like Smash Five, yeah, you know? like <laughs> like Reggie will mention it in right. some throwaway interview with Time Magazine. Right, he'll be wearing something. a pin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nintendo! New releases. Uh, so we talked about for the, on the twenty third. Bye bye, Box Boy. Bye bye, Box Boy. It's coming out that may actually because I haven't played any of the other two. They look and sound really fun. I may actually dig out my old 3ds my old tired oh, dusty so 3ds <laughs> it's the wind blowing through your abandoned 3ds um super mario run which we mentioned comes out on android and version 2.0 is launching on ios that's also on march 23rd on march 24th the 3ds uh mario sports superstar comes out and those amiibo cards that are stupid uh Crazy. Another thing I'd forgotten is actually coming out. Apparently, the I think it's already out in Europe, uh-huh. and I possibly has been out in Japan for a while. And the reviews seem to be pretty meh. Yeah. On uh, sports superstars, I think uh, Mario sports games in general, the last um, generation or so, have been getting kind of like meh reception. R- meh, meh to meh. Yeah. Because uh, Mario Tennis um, was widely panned by like everyone. Um, the most recent tennis game, whatever it, whatever it's called, 
Um, Remember the weird four-on-four basketball game that Square Enix developed for the DS? It was Mario licensed. Yeah, it was three-on-three. Oh, three-on-three. Mario three-on-three hoops. Yeah, because it had um, like the black mage and the white mage in it as characters from Final Fantasy. Yeah. Um, Weird. Yeah. That's all there was. It's like, hey, remember that thing? Yeah. (laughs) And you did. Hey, that's all this show is. Mark, (laughs) let's move out of the news. Now it's time for a regular segment on our show. It's time for uh, 4.33. <laughs> Forgot the name of the segment. Whew. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 4.33, wherein a performer or a group of performers didn't play their instruments performance in 33 seconds. For the purposes of our show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. For the duration of one performance of 4.33, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Mark... Let's talk about sunburns. Let's do it. So you got a little bit of a sunburn this weekend. I got weekend. super sunburned. I don't know if you can... Let me... Oh, yeah. Wow. There. Yeah, the reason I'm wearing a uh, high-collared shirt and a hoodie right. is to disguise the fact at work today that I got mega sunburned, so I didn't have to answer all day why I looked like that. Right. Hey, Mark, ridiculed you get by some my sun? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it is amazing that you need to, like, see the pale skin in order to see how <laughs> red the, the, the person has become. Um, so I went to the Antelope Valley Poppy Reserve this weekend. Okay. It's out by like Lancaster. Super and, Bloom? Uh, uh, for the Super Bloom? Because, oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So uh, And so it's just a really pretty area with rolling hills that you can climb up. And it's just areas of it are just like thick with poppies, with California poppies. And it was it was great. It was beautiful. It was a really nice day. Um, spent a few hours out there and got roasted. So let me ask: uh, Did you you did not prepare for uh, being out in the sun all day no, at all? No, no sunscreen. And I burn pretty easily, so I should have right <laughs> or like no hat. Yeah. Um. Do you what What do you normally do to prevent yourself from getting sunburned? Sunscreen. Just sunscreen. So I was in Mexico City recently, mm-hmm. and it was impossible to find sunscreen there. Oh, weird. I mean, I guess not because white people. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> okay. Like, they were they were just like, no. No, we don't have that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what have you been doing to soothe yourself since you now are in a state of burn? Uh, so I can't really feel it mm. unless I apply pressure to it because... and I don't think that's how it's supposed to be so i'm worried about myself because <laughs> it's burnt as you can see it's like burned right but i like don't feel anything i'm dead i'm dead inside right and a little bit on the outside it's <laughs> clearly like. from the out from the outside in <clears throat> or from uh, the inside out from the inside out from all directions yeah. going in all directions <laughs> Um, so you're not doing like any aloe vera? Apparently that's not a real thing. What do you mean it's not a real thing? I mean, apparently like aloe vera doesn't really have any healing properties for sunburns. Yeah. I don't even know that it's necessarily meant to be healing so much as it is just soothing Mm. that like you feel the cold sensation of like the menthol and then you don't feel the, the heat. Oh, I see. So yeah, I don't. I don't it's it's treating a, a symptom and not the core problem for sure. <laughs> uh, what's the worst you've ever been sunburned? I think the worst I've ever been sunburned coincides with um, a time when I got heat stroke, <laughs> 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 or 
or at least a mild heat stroke. Yeah, I mean, that sounds pretty bad. Uh, it was shortly after I... So I lived in Hawaii for a couple months. Oh, we get it. What What do you get? <laughs> Tell me what you get uh, from yeah, that. That island lifestyle. It's why you're so cool. Yaman. Yeah, <laughs> it's the wrong island. Um, yeah, so shortly after moving there, um, had lived in uh, Wisconsin and, and Chicago my entire life, right? Um, so it was like, I can go to, I'm going to go to the beach. I've been to beaches before I get it. Um, but I did not get being so much closer to the equator. <laughs> um, and I didn't have sunscreen on, didn't, um, have a hat or, or a shirt even. I was just like laying out on the beach, um, for hours, um, and came back to my sister's house where I was living and, um, you know, got, had like kind of a headache uh, and was like, I'm, I'm going I'm to take a nap before dinner. Slept through to the next morning. Um, and then when I woke up, I could, all I could do was like throw up for half oh. an hour. And my skin was all red um, and uh, it was terrible. The son and I were that day made mortal enemies. Oh. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I was I was horribly sunburned. And, uh, yeah, like took took all night just for me to like become human again the worst sunburn i've ever seen was in high school you've ever seen yeah okay so it didn't happen to me right but uh my friend sean uh, we were at we went to the beach and he you know like has that norwegian skin that's yeah. like very pale but also like red sometimes and just like naturally like their pigment is red he doesn't even have to be mad <laughs> <laughs> and he got so sunburned on his feet, on the top of his feet, <gasps> yeah. that like they were just covered. Each one was covered in just one enormous blister. Oh no! So like when he, w- it was like reflecting off of the sand in his body and just like hitting his feet. So when he walked carefully, you could see like the pus inside the blister just like sloshing around. But we'll never know. Yeah, we'll, ne- we'll, we'll never know we'll what never happened. Know. We'll never know if he cured that or how he's doing right now. Um, we were accompanied today by the pianist Armin Fuchs. If, uh, by the way, if you have a recording of 433 that you would like us to use on this show, uh, please send an email over to us. I think we're running out of them. <laughs> um, it's got to be in front of an audience because otherwise we won't know when to stop talking. It'll just be f- like four minutes and 33 seconds of silence yeah so if you're in a group and you want to stage one of these things uh do it put it up have people applaud at the end and send it to nintendo cartridge society at gmail.com and we'll uh filter that through all the sonic deviant art we're about to get oh yeah man we're asking for some fun stuff mark That's going to bring us to our topic of the week. Um, we are, we're starting a new feature, right? Where we're going to talk about uh, games that are probably going to be orphaned on the Wii U. Patrick was one of the select few human beings. Yes, that's right. That owned a Nintendo Wii U. I, as a huge Nintendo fanboy, mm-hmm. did, did not own a Wii U. Uh, and I came to mine kind of late in its life cycle. It had been probably two years uh, before I actually bought it. Year and a half, maybe. Um, that's a first for me um, to to wait so long to pick up uh, Nintendo hardware. And even though I uh, didn't own one, 
there are downsides to that because there are some great games on the Wii U that I will probably just never be able to play. We, you know, there's some games that are just going to be orphaned on the Wii U. Right. And some of that's going to be because of the the way um, the game works with the hardware. And some of it is just going to be with today's example of uh, Donkey Kong Country Returns Tropical Freeze. Um, they'll just make a new Donkey Kong Country Returns and uh, probably returns. It'll probably be in the Returns series. Yeah, we were talking a little before the show began how there's Donkey Kong. There's Donkey Kong Country, right? And there's Donkey Kong Country Returns, which are like three distinct franchises, right? And we are now in the Donkey Kong Country Returns series. There are, I guess, two or three, depending on how you want to count it, because there's the 3DS version, which is the same game as the Wii version, Wii version but without motion controls. So there's Donkey Kong Country Returns, which was released for the Wii, developed by Rare. That's there's right. There's Donkey Kong no. Country Return, developed by Retro. Retro, right. Donkey Kong Country Returns 3DS that was developed by I think Monster Games helped out with that. I think so. It's it's essentially a port. It's of a the... but it's a port. Uh, mm-hmm. And then now Donkey Kong Country Returns Tropical Freeze, which also retro retro released in I think 2014. Yeah, we'd have to check that, and we're not going to. Nope. <laughs> uh, but it, that is the game that we uh, want to talk about. Um, the game that we suspect will not be coming to other platforms. Um, but is, by all accounts, a really great game. Yeah. So um, I came to the game uh, pretty recently, and then Mark and I had a chance to um, sink some real hours into it on Saturday night. Um, and it, this was the first time... that the, You can play this game two-player simultaneous. Uh, both of your characters run around on screen at the same time. Sort of new Super Mario Brothers style. Um, but unlike New Super Mario Brothers, you do not interfere with each other. Like, Mark and I aren't bumping into each other. We can both just sort of run independently, um, which for a game as hard as this is absolutely necessary. This game is really hard. But brutal. But fair. Yes. Um, in a way that, like, the Donkey Kong Country Returns on Wii uh, was similarly brutal but fair. And had, but had a lot of annoyances around it. Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the the big failings of Donkey Kong Country Returns on the Wii um, was that you had to trigger a lot of Donkey Kong's moves by shaking the Wii remote, which is an imprecise input. Like, you can say whatever you want about it being, like, a more immersive thing or, you know, whatever. You know, good for, like, shooters. Yeah, good for casual players, uh, you know, anything. But it is not a precision instrument when you're shaking to trigger something. Um, And you always need to be doing that in a Donkey Kong Country game. Um, And so that's replaced by a button press in this version, like, solves it almost completely. Um, So... That still means that the game is like punishingly difficult. Um, Mark and I are pretty good at platforming games. Um, we've been playing them our whole lives, <laughs> um, and we still there's there was not a single level that we played where we got all of the collectible items in it. No, not one one, not world one <laughs> one. We got like seven out of nine puzzle pieces. And for the first like world, we were cruising along. We were like, oh, we have so many lives. We were feeling great. We are like, yeah, that's man, true. When, I was playing the Wii, when we were playing the Wii game, we were like always so scrimping, scrimping for lives, but this one we're doing fine. And then we hit like 2-1, two, 2-2, two, two, and we just tanked. Oh, yeah. 
No, all of that optimism like drips away <laughs> when you get to world two, but that is replaced with optimism for your experience. Yeah, this game is always difficult, but I uh, I was never frustrated. Like yeah, you know, like I always enjoyed it, and a lot of that is the presentation. Mm-hmm. And specifically for me, it was the way that the music melded with the levels that yeah. so, that made mm-hmm. me replaying segments over and over. Didn't trying to beat it didn't bother me because I was enjoying like the music and the way it all came together so much mm-hmm. that I was fine replaying those part sections. Yeah, and like the music is great, but it's not just the music like all the presentational aspects are excellent right and they work together yes in a way that very few games and very few platformers i can't think of any work exactly like this yeah i mean i i do think there are parts of the more recent uh rayman games that are a little like that like i know there are music levels in um the most recent rayman games that kind of fold into what you're experiencing as you're experiencing it. Yeah, so maybe we should be clear about what we're talking about because we're being just a, sure. a tiny bit vague. So the way that the music and the levels work together is the music's like changes and is dynamic depending on what area of the level you're in. Yes. And also like uh, World 2-3, which I've been calling like Hoot Horn. Horn Top Hop. Horn Top Hop. So. There's little uh, Swiss owls. Right. You know they're Swiss because... They're, uh, they're wearing later hoses. They're wearing, and they have those big like Ricola yeah. um, horns. Alpine horns. Alpine horns. Um, but they are like playing music, or they are playing, blowing into the horns in time with the music. Yes. And uh, so like there's a rhythm to the platforming. Right, because when they blow, when they blow the horn, either it like uh, shoots a platform up, or like an enemy jumps out of their horn, or an item, um, and it's all in time. Yes, to the level's theme, and this is uh, contrasted with like say Super Mario Brothers, which has great uh, over like music in the levels, mm-hmm. but it's the same song that plays throughout on repeat, and it doesn't change depending on like what you're doing in the level. Or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, there's so much music in this game, right? Like, um, we Mark and I started to like get excited about the general aesthetic of this game at the beginning of World One, which is where we start to see these Swiss owls, or the beginning of or World, World Two. Two. Sorry, because I hated World One. So, how would you characterize uh, the aesthetic of World One, and like, why didn't it work for you? So, I've never really liked retro are rares Mm -hmm. like weird like googly eyed yeah like aesthetic Mm -hmm. and um i i think someone doing an impression of that which is what retro sort of is also doesn't do it any favors well well it's and it being in like high definition 3d (laughs) just makes it like aggressive yeah you know Oh man, there's a cutscene at the beginning of this game where we meet the Kong family, and you can play as all four of these characters: Donkey, Diddy, Dixie, and Cranky. And if you're keeping score, Dixie is the little girl Kong. It was like shock blonde red hair or blonde hair, right? And it's but it's against her like monkey fur. <laughs> it's alarming and disarming, and looks like too real and too fake at the same time. Yeah, uh, and really like the the. What I love about the music didn't really kick in in that first world. It's also kind of um, 
kind of feels been there, done that, because it's just tropical in theme. There's nothing interesting necessarily about the presentation yeah, of the if, first world. If uh, So the, the second world is definitely this like German, Swiss, Alpine owl theme. And the third world is... Lion King on Broadway. Lion King on Broadway. <laughs> um, I, I would say that the theme of the first world is just Donkey Kong Country. It wasn't until the boss of the first world, which is the seal that uh, yeah. has some personality in its animations, and the uh, little penguin creatures are sitting on chairs in the back, like they're watching. Right. Um, that it, it was the first time that I felt like the game had personality. And yeah, then, absolutely. And then moving into World 2, and like that's when I, the music really became, began to like kick in in a memorable way. And so it wasn't until World 2 that I was like, this game is awesome. So we've got some of the music queued up here, Mark. Um, should we listen to a little bit of it from the beginning of uh, World 2? Yeah. Uh, so this is um, some of the music from the uh, uh, Windmill Hills. Um, and I believe, Mark, how did you characterize this? Kind of like James Taylor-ish. Kind of like James Taylor. turn that down while we talk over it because i i like it so much and i, I mean, just want it to be this there. is this is where we began to die a lot right and where you start to this video is uh 15 minutes and 29 seconds long of just this music um you're going to hear this music for at least that amount of time also levels in this game are so long they're so long they're so long every level is so long not this level i think it's the next one was the first time you get a ride rambi yeah and, and every time we hit a checkpoint we were like this has to be the last checkpoint nope <laughs> <laughs> keeps going but so uh w when we start this level 2-1 um uh which is the windmill hills um that's when this sort of like european pastoral mountain town kind of aesthetic kicks in and it all just feels so different and so fresh, especially compared to what came before. Yeah, and like the the enemy design still feels of the world or like of like Donkey Kong Country. It feels like, but it look it's more appealing to me. Like the owls, little squat owls with their like. Oh my god, the owls are so fat. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> Here, I'll stop this now. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's amazing to me how bad of a first impression this game makes. Yeah, um, and then gets so cool um, as it goes on. Uh, do we want to listen to a little bit of this horn top hop? Yeah, music? we've talked about it. I think, and even in the music, you can. I don't if you've never played the game, you can kind of get a sense for the mechanic we were talking about with the these adorable owls. Yeah, and this like blowing boom. into the boom. alpine horns would work. <laughs> Thank you. 
those really bassy like horn notes like they're it's so good and so full and like i don't know like as you're playing the game you're already like amped up to do these things it, just, it feels like such a complete experience to me and we should mention that david wise mm-hmm. uh is the primary composer for donkey kong country returns tropical freeze and you might recognize that game from the original Donkey Kong Country on the SNES or oh, Donkey yeah. Kong Country 2. And he was not the composer for the original Donkey Kong Country Returns on Wii, but he returned to the franchise for Tropical Freeze. And the music is in this game is incredible. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I think a, a huge step above uh, what it was on, on the Wii. Absolutely. Um Man, so I just want to, I kind of wanted to stop talking about it and just play, the, <laughs> play this game now. Um, so uh, there, uh, another level later in this, um, in World 2, is the uh, Sawmill. Right, which is a minecart level, which again is, uh, or is featured prominently in Donkey Kong Country. Right, but unlike, so maybe calling it just a minecart level is like selling it short, because at some points you are on like, a little boat, yeah, like a log that's been yeah, sawed. That exactly. is now like a uh, like a log flume. Right, you're on the log flume at uh, Six Flags, and uh, you're you're hopping around on this thing. Um, and this has also awesome like progressive music that changes as you enter the uh, enter the sawmill and exit, and are like in the in the water. It changes, and it it really did remind me of a when you're on a theme park ride. Yeah. Um, and part of that is because. So we would, when, as we were playing through and dying, we would be sent back to a checkpoint. And because the music is progressive and depends on what you're doing in the level, like when you first get out of the checkpoint, you have to jump in to the cart or log for it to get going. Yeah. And there's such attention to detail in this game because when you land at the checkpoint, it plays a different theme. It's like holding music. And right. then when you get into the log, right, and it starts up again because it's like time to your motions, right. And in the, the holding, game. the holding music is also different from like the intro music because it is it knows that it has to like drop you in at a faster pace than if you started at the beginning of the level. And it just reminded me of like a uh, like if you're on a roller coaster with a soundtrack or like a ride at Disneyland where the computer knows you have to be in a certain location before it hits a cue. So there's like different. Uh, music tracks yeah. for if it's just like oh i'm on indiana jones and i'm idling i'm not going to play the bridge cue until i've actually like hit that part of the ride right and it i mean it, it all seems like such uh like base intuitive stuff but like games just don't play that way you know like that's that's not the way music works in video games um but it, it totally does here and it's awesome um we've got a, a little bit of the like high energy um sawmill thrill um, music here, so let's listen to a little bit of that.
and when you're listening to that, you can hear that moment when the music changes, and that's when you are in the log flume and going underwater and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, man, just some of the uh, the qualities of the sounds in this are so cool. Like um, the kind of like repeated, just like low bowed string bass is really neat. And there's also this, I don't know, it's almost like a low saw or something that's like very like floppy sounding in its bass. I mean, this turned into a stealth music episode, but it's so much tied to what makes this game awesome. Yeah, to- totally agree. Like, um, I-, I think as we were playing it, that's what you and I were commenting on most. Like, that's most of what we were experiencing was this musical journey, which is just in the background of a uh, a tough platforming game. Yeah, which is very well done. Like, the mm-hmm. fact that we're po- focusing on the presentation is credit to uh, Retro and how, like, well it controls and how it feels like right like you're never fighting the game yeah and i'm that has to be incredibly difficult to test and you know like program but it feels effortless and seamless and that that's pretty incredible again it's not like the wii version where you sometimes felt like you were fighting it yeah this just works and as we all know like just works is incredibly hard yes to accomplish yeah um yeah, and I mean, I, I think there there probably are systems in here that, like, if we had messed around with them more, we would have been like, oh, this either doesn't work or is redundant. Like, there's that there's a store in the game mm-hmm. where you can. Um, we just used it to buy more lives. <laughs> <laughs> we were cocky, but we needed them. <laughs> um, and that there are like other power ups or you know little buffs that you can put on the characters, but it you know it's all kind of just like you don't need it. And when you're like, uh, one of the things you could do in Donkey Kong Country that you can't really accomplish in this, at least not with the characters we were playing, is when there's like a uh, coin or a uh, item you want to pick up that's like on spikes or something, and you used to be able to like roll and then do a jump out of it, and you yeah. can't really accomplish that. You still as like Diddy can. and stuff. Oh, I, guess I guess you were able to pull it off. Yeah, but. I guess I, I don't know what the experience of playing as Diddy um, is like. Um, so all, all four of the characters control differently, and someone always has to be Donkey Kong. Um, Diddy's got like a little bit of a hover jump. Um, Dixie has uh, another like kind of jump assist where she gets to go a little bit higher with using her like pigtails. Yeah, her hair spins around. They're not great depictions of female characters <laughs> in this game. Um, at least there's no candy there. At least there's no candy, which Kong. I don't think I could handle in high definition. No, it'd be too disturbing, horrifying. Um, but, I mean, there is a Funky Kong. You can't play as him, but he's there. He's also terrifying. He's also awful. <laughs> you realize how, like, bad most of the, like, a lot of the characters. At least there's, and there's no baby, also, mercifully. Right, right, right. Um, and, and then Cranky Kong is the fourth playable character. Yes. Um, and he kind of does a uh, Scrooge McDuck pogo stick sort of thing with his cane. Um, all canes in video games are pogo sticks. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, we were only really playing as Donkey Kong and Diddy Kong, and when I say really, I mean we exclusively, really, yeah, we really, yeah, true to our word. Um, so uh, what were we driving at there? Oh, that there, yeah, there are some like quibbles with right. it. Uh, like it would have been nice if we could have changed to uh, other characters on the fly mm-hmm. or to start the level uh, new. It also would have been nice if I didn't have to be Donkey Kong. Like if we could have played as. Um, Diddy and Cranky, or Diddy and Dixie, or whomever. Um, 
would have been nice. Uh, so I mean, like it's it still has weird little hangups, but um, overall, like I want to get back to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you left my house on Saturday night because uh, you were like gonna go home, um, and then realized that you had some extra time, and you were like, "Do you want to play some more?" Can we more? keep playing? Yeah. Um, do we want to play a little bit of the or talk about the Lion King on Broadway, Broadway level? Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, I mean. I would like to mention that one of the things that's very cool about it mm-hmm. is how different each world yeah. seems to be. Uh, there's the trop, and we're not super far into the game. No, we're only three worlds in. But mm-hmm. you go from like tropical to this like alpine level to Africa inspired specifically lion king, lion king on, on broadway. broadway like very specifically the first uh level is all like giraffe puppets yeah like tall giraffe puppets <laughs> and I, I like that this isn't the uh the same um like kind of progression of levels where it's like forest desert lava level ice mm-hmm. level whatever um that like the idea of lion king on broadway and a, like Alpine Village, that those are different world types than what we're what we're used to seeing. Yeah, and not just in Donkey Kong games, but in platformers in general. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, Mario's a big offender there. Of like, what do you want? Desert? You want a cave? We can do those. <laughs> uh, yeah. Do we want the Mark and I almost freaked out hearing the music in World Three One? Right. Right. I mean. Yeah, we we should and play. And then we it. sang along. Then let's, we sang along. Yeah, let's listen. just listen to that and continue to sway with you for the next 20 minutes but <laughs> yeah because uh, in, in the game in this first level 3 one uh the trees are swaying in time to this music and you're like platforming on mm-hmm. some of the branches but the entire world is like moving with the music and it's it, very addicting yeah every part of this game loves the music <laughs> which is great um, we want to talk about the bosses a little bit? Yeah. Um, so we did two big boss fights in this. We did the, the World 1 boss, which was that seal that Mark was talking about, who had a lot of personality in the way he was animated. Um, and the World 2 boss, which was uh, uh, an owl. A big owl. A big, fat owl. Who, like, sm- uh, I actually kind of love the pre- the intro to this boss. Yeah. Where, like, <laughs> yeah. Donkey and Diddy, like, run in. And there's a banana. And there's a banana on like a, a like a stump, stump or something. Yeah. And the owl in the boss from the shadows like smashes it with a mallet. And uh, Donkey and Diddy go, <gasps> and then all the owls turn around and you see their eyes. It's it's pretty great. Um, yeah. So these boss fights are they're long. Yeah, like the levels of the game. They're 
a little like we have to be done. Oh, we're not. Oh, we oh, we, we still we have to do going? this. There's we, another phase of this. Right. We've got to figure out a new pattern mm-hmm. and and avoid that. Um. And, I mean, they were just the first two bosses, so neither of them seemed overly hard. Mm-hmm. But it did. It took us a while to figure out how to beat that second one. Right. Right. Um. But I guess once you figure it out, it doesn't take you too long to like progress through the levels again or like through the the phases of them again um but it just it is worth noting that like the bosses in this game take longer than you think they're going to or than you would expect a boss level to take in a donkey kong country game and maybe because we were uh we're just recently playing the legend of zelda and those bosses are like oh, you yeah. just do, you know, you do like one thing, right? You, you think those are going to be difficult, and they end up being the opposite. They end up being nothing. Um, yeah, there is no uh, stab the enemy twice and he dies. Uh, in Donkey Kong Country Returns, Tropical Freeze. The thing I think is funny about this game is the presentation and just like the marketing and the character design is so adorable, but this game is brutally difficult. Yeah, and I wonder, you know, like I imagine. There could be parents buying this for their children who will never see World 2. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess when you were when you're a kid, you maybe have more time and patience to yeah. put into like figuring it out. But this is not a game where uh, where I was just like, oh, it's hard. I'm done with it. Like this is a game where it was difficult, but I wanted to keep going. Yeah. And I want to get back to it. So uh, do do we want to at all like fold in? Um like why we think this won't come to the switch or i mean for for my money i'm just assuming that um retro probably retro is just working on the next entry in this series and that's what we'll see on the switch mm-hmm. um because the it the game does literally nothing with the gamepad nothing like that <laughs> yeah like it doesn't even there's no graphic or and like you know, no static graphic, no map, no nothing, no nothing. It's just a blank screen. It's not off, right? The gamepad's not turned off. It's it is still just showing on. black. Yeah, yeah. Um, so but, there's no reason in that regard that it couldn't come to the Switch, like other Wii U games that require the gamepad. Right. It just it, it seems to me like uh, if if it takes like any effort to port it over, like they may as well just make a new one. Maybe even with a lot of the same assets or whatever. Um, but, uh, I mean, this one, this game also isn't like a super sticky piece of, or like a super unique piece of uh, software like Mario Kart 8 is or like Splatoon was. And I know Splatoon 2 is technically a new Splatoon game, but it's, you know, basically a, a version of Splatoon 4 Switch. Um, and this is just sort of like a, another entry in the Donkey Kong Country Returns series. Uh, and it, I, it, I think it's more special than that, but I don't think it was seen as more special than that. I agree. I think it's a hidden gem on the Wii U, and mm-hmm. I guess maybe not even a hidden gem because it was promoted well. You know, I think it sold it's pretty a well Kong for country game. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know. Uh, but I think it, it does seem like destined to stay on the Wii U, at least for a few generations until uh, Wii U games. Right, until until there's like, a weird virtual console with Wii U games on it. I mean, I think there will come a time when uh, people realize that they slept on the Wii U and that like they want to play some of those games that there's no way to play them anymore. Yeah, like a Super Mario 3D World. Mm-hmm. 
great game. Uh, uh, Captain Toad Treasure Tracker, great game. Pikmin Three, great game. Um, and th- there are going to be others that we're going to try as part of this series, like uh, Bayonetta Two. Um, maybe doesn't belong. Uh, this next one maybe doesn't belong in like it's so good and it's orphan, but like Star Fox. Um, th- we're never going to see that on another on another platform. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to this series because I I feel bad for the <laughs> for the Wii U. Yeah, and as as someone who didn't own a Wii U, I'm excited to get to play some of these games mm-hmm. that I think are probably like Donkey Kong Country Returns Tropical Freeze, where I knew about it, I liked the Wii game enough, but I wasn't like in love with it. Yeah, so I wasn't super sad to have missed it. But now that I'm actually, before I played it, but now that I'm actually played it and had some hands-on and am seriously in love with the soundtrack, yeah. I'm bummed that I haven't played through the whole thing already. <laughs> well, there's, there's time. <laughs> we, we got it, Mark. We can, we can play through it. All right, let's, uh, let's close up this segment. Uh, if you have any um, experience or memories with... Uh, Donkey Kong Country Returns Tropical Freeze. or What a mouthful that I know. name is. <laughs> uh, or any of the Donkey Kong Country games um, or any of the Donkey Kong Country Returns games. Uh, you can always write into us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. Um, or if you have any suggestions for these games that we should cover for uh, this series or anything like that, write in, write in with anything. Uh, we're happy to discuss your conversation topics or anything like that. Um, Mark, anything else to add before we uh, wrap things up for tonight? Uh, on Thursday, look forward to the delayed, but now on schedule, uh, an episode of Cl- NCS Classic Edition. That's right. Featuring the levels le- seven through... No. No, uh, no. Uh, levels four, four through, through seven. Four, five, six, six. Four, five, six. Oh, gosh. <laughs> four through six. <laughs> Let's start the whole episode over. <laughs> <laughs> Episodes four through... Oh, man. Levels four through six of the original Legend of Zelda. Yes. Um, you will probably complete that in the amount of time it took for us to explain that. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's right. <laughs> um, but those are good episodes. Uh, we had fun playing and, and recording those. So uh, That is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, you can always follow us on Twitter at Nincart Society. Check out the Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. If you have a second, we would love for you to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Uh, also, tell someone about the podcast. You know someone. Very good. If you like Mark and Mind's opinions, you can always uh, get more of those by reading what we write about comic books on retconpunch.com. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by 8 Betty. You can find more of 8 Betty's music on 8 or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying, of course climate change is real. It's an urgent concern. We all need to address it. And this is not a joke. Thanks for listening. What's a creative podcast network?